As we get ready to worship the Lord, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. We love you so much. And who's excited to get ready to worship? Amen. Amen. It's good to have excitement in the house. Let's uh, give it up for our sister Tina. She's going to come up and testify. Let's give her a hand. Hallelujah. Glory to the King of Kings. I just want to testify about God's um, faithfulness, his provisions. I want to testify about his power and how the fact that God makes things um, possible, that in the hands of man are impossible. I am a single mother um, with two children whom I love with all my heart. God has done amazing work in me since the day I walked and I welcomed him into my heart. I mean, from the, you know, just very horrible mom that I was to just loving them and gently just, you know, just doing it his way. It's just beautiful. But one of the dreams that I've always had in my heart was to be with my children. And I always thought, well, maybe when I have a husband, you know, that'll happen. I could stay home with my kids. But then... By that time, my daughter might be out of college already or out of high school. And, you know, I'm going to miss out on that. Well, God, I'll just have to take it. You know, I know you're in control. I know that you, you're going to make something happen. And I'm okay with where I'm at. But, Lord, I would love to be with my kids. I would love to raise them up in everything that they do. <laughs> Woo! Hallelujah. 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 I tell you today that going from work. Eight-hour days, five days a week, missing because my son was having so much trouble at school. They'd call me all the time. Miss Alegria, you have to come pick up Alexis because he did this and that. And I was always going to the office because of what he was doing or whatnot. The Lord has opened a door for me to be able to be home with my kids five days a week and work two days a week and be able to provide for my family with no husband but him. God alone. God alone is my husband. He is the head of my household and him alone has made what is impossible in the eyes of many. I'm a single mom with two kids. Just get that in your head. In Chicago, that's hard, you know. Um, so the word I want to share today is this. It's in Revelations 3, 7. It says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key wow. of David. What he yeah. opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength. You have kept my word and have not denied my name. Hallelujah and hallelujah. Praise the King of Kings. Praise the King of Kings. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you right now for your word. I thank you for your truth, God. I thank you that you are alive and active today, Father God, that your word moves with power and authority, Father God. I pray that in this time of worship, every single ear would be open and every eye would see, God, that your Holy Spirit would be tangible to every single person in this place. God, I pray that everyone that walks in here will walk out different, changed, transformed by what you're going to do through them in this day. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way today. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come on, somebody. Give the Lord a hand clap. There is a lot of glory in this place right now. There is a lot of glory. Just touch your neighbor. Say, there's a lot of glory here. There's a lot of glory. Hallelujah. You know, I can feel it up here in this altar. <laughs> I can feel the glory up here. And if you want to feel some more glory, I suggest that you come out of your seat and you prophetically come to the altar. Come on. Prophetically. Yes, come to the altar of grace. Come, come. We're going to feel the presence of God right now. He was here before you came in. <laughs> he was in this room before you walked in. And now you're walking into fellowship with him. 
There's a lot of glory here. Hallelujah. Just lift up your hands right now and say, Father. Come on, say this with me out loud. Father, I want to feel your presence. I make myself available to your glory, to your grace. Hear, oh, Father, my words of worship. Hear, oh, Father, my praise. See, oh, Lord, my dance. Hear, oh, God, my shouts. All because I love you. All because I love you. Now make a shout of praise in this prayer.
Or do I feel the presence of the Lord in this place? Come on, keep going. Don't stop. What are you guys doing? Let's go. There's a heavy presence right now. David said, where can I go? Where can I run? If I go up to the mountaintop, you are there. If I go to the bottom of the sea, you are there. If I ascend to the deepest, darkest places, you are there, God. We can't run from you. We can't run from you. So we'll just dance with you right now. You chased us down, God. You're with us, God. You're here. Now hear our praises. Hear our praises. You are good in ourselves because you are good. You are good today. And I sing because you are good in our test because you are good in ourselves. You are good. You are good today. I sing because you are good in our test because you are good. Do what your heart is doing. Do right you now. are good? Do you are good your today? Can I sing because you are good and I test because this sound? Because you are good. Do you are good today? Give a shout of Choir, sing it. And I'll sing because you are good in our faith. You are good in our sin. You are good. You are good. One more time, say it. And I'll sing because you are good in our death. There's never been a moment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, praise him. Yes. 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 Yes, God. Hallelujah. There's never been a moment where you haven't been good. Oh, in our darkest nights, God, you loved sinners like us. But you didn't leave us as such, God. You made us holy, righteous by your blood. The moment we believed, the moment we believed, you cleansed. The moment we said, here I am, Lord, you set us free from sin. Hallelujah. How many are glad that they're set free from sin in this place? You no longer have to live in sin. You're set free. <laughs> set free from the bondage the slave master you've been set free from that old wicked slave master called sin and you are God's right now you are God's you belong to him come on say I belong to you Jesus I belong to you Jesus come on tell it declare it to him I belong to you
on, sing that out. There is no higher. There is no higher. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place right now. Holy Spirit, you know who we are. You know what we need. You know what needs mending. Holy Ghost, you knew when I was heartbroken. You knew when I had loss. You knew when I needed healing. And you came, Holy Ghost. Right now, there are people here, Lord that need mending. There are people here, God, that need healing, and we rely on you, Holy Spirit. Church, if that's you right now, just lift up your hands. If you say, Lord, I need you, I need you, come, he will come, he will come to you. And saints, those that are filled with the Holy Ghost, just start to manifest those tongues right now. Just be heard. We're going to set up an environment, an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. What are they relying on? What are they relying on in Egypt? What are they relying on in Cairo? What are they relying on in India? What are they relying on in Pakistan? What are they relying on in Brazil, if not the Holy Ghost? Come on, church. Holy Spirit is here. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord.
There's two lies being believed in this place right now. The lie of distance, God is far away from me. And the lie of delay, he won't come till later. The blood of Jesus has canceled those lies. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is here right now. There is no distance. There is no delay. Just reach out your hand right now. Just reach out your hand and say, Lord, I know there's no distance now. There is no delay. You are here. Sing, lift your voice and cry, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. raise your hands and shout awesome is our strong God, not higher. There is no higher, no. There is no greater, no. There is none stronger than our God. There Don't get tired of singing that this morning. Sing it out.
and a defender of the weak, the Lord laid on my heart that we need to learn the meaning of the word Maranatha. And you can find it in your Bible, 1 Corinthians 16. But the meaning of the word is, come, O Lord. Everyone say that. Say, come, O Lord. And it's been the heart cry of the church throughout history, the coming of Jesus. The day when he comes to destroy his enemies and to rescue his people. It is a great and glorious day. And it is a dreadful day. It is a day when every outrageous and heinous act will be avenged by God. Every innocent person that's been wronged will be vindicated. And God's people will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And in the midst of all the, all the stories we hear in the news today. Horrific stories of destroyed lives, multiplied millions perishing without the light of God, multiplied millions under persecution, multiplied millions under tyranny, multiplied millions of children being abused and lost. We should long for the coming of Jesus. We should long because he will bring justice and peace and righteousness to the nations. This is our hope. So I want us. As we sing that, that chorus again, you know, mighty is our strong God. Let that be the cry of our heart. Let that be our Maranatha song this morning. And let it awaken us to the reality that this is, this is a transitional age. This is not our home. This is not forever. Jesus is coming soon. Sooner than we think. Sooner than when we first believed. Sooner than we realized. And there's going to come a day when the world as we know it will be a distant memory. And it will be nothing but Jesus' kingdom. Oh, as we just sing that chorus. Lift your voice and cry out. Cry out. You are strong. You are mighty. You are mighty to save. Save. Raise your hands and shout out, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Come on. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out, awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Cry out, come Lord Jesus. Cry out. Come on, raise your hands and shout. Come on, Jesus. Awesome. Come, Lord Jesus. Come with love and grace. Sing that, that bridge. This is God in his holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. We want this God to come in our midst. Oh, my God. Come on. Come on, we want this God to invade our city. We want this God to touch the nations of the earth. This is God. Come, Lord, you love righteousness and justice. You are love. The word says you are love. Come, Lord Jesus, fill the nations. Fill this earth. May your kingdom come.
and you will give to everyone according to what they've done. That's what your word promises. It guarantees we just want to see it with our eyes. In a day like this, we want to see it with our eyes. When there's darkness, we want the light of Jesus to shine. I just want everyone to pray in their heart, pray that uh, um, just in agreement with me here because we're not just going to relax and be raptured and just wait for Jesus and and, and uh, you know, just wait for that day and do nothing. Waiting for the Lord's coming is not just passive and doing nothing. We work for peace. We pray for peace. We bring the gospel of peace to a lost and dying world. Father, I pray that our heart's cry will be the heart cry expressed in scriptures. As, as the Bible says, the spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in each of us says, come. And the bride of Christ, that is the church, that is your people assembled here. We say, come. Let that be the cry of our hearts as we work for peace, as we pray for peace, as we long for your coming. Let it be the thing we want more than our next promotion. Let it be the thing we want more than our graduations as people are graduating. Let it be the thing we want more than our next family vacation. Oh, my God. We love you. We bless you. We thank you, God, for your coming. We thank you, God, for the day of justice and righteousness and peace you will bring. We pray uh, it will come soon. We pray that, that our prayers will hasten the day, that our actions will hasten the day, that they will come soon on account of what we're doing. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want us to uh, find a seat in that same heart of prayer and uh, contemplation. Thank you. We're going to, uh, the children are being dismissed. If, if you got kids with you that want to go to Sunday school, they're being dismissed over here. Uh, my name is Pastor Jared, and uh, what we do here every time around this time in our services is we preach the gospel. That is the good news about Jesus Christ. It's a message of salvation. It's a message for those who don't know Jesus, who are not Christian, who are frankly on their way to hell. And we want to solve that problem. Amen? And uh, let's get that scripture up here. I want to tell you some good news today. But in order to tell you good news, and in order for the good news to make sense, it always has to precede with bad news. The bad news, according to Colossians 1.21, is you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Let me tell you what it means to be alienated. It's when two people, because of some wrong that was done, do not get along and do not speak and are estranged from one another. Some of you know this in your own life because you have family members and you have people who were friends for a long time, but you don't speak to them now. You've been alienated. There's a rift in the relationship, and reconciliation is needed. And why are we estranged from God? Why are we estranged from our Creator? Well, it says 
because of our evil behavior. We were enemies in our minds. Let me say this. When we lie and break God's commands, when we lust or we're sexually immoral, when we curse, when we're selfish, when we're greedy, when we're arrogant, when we do things that are sins, that's not just a good person having a bad day. That's not just a character flaw. That's the expression of who we are. It says it's in our minds. It's our personality. It's who we are to do these things, to go against God in thought and word and deed. And I want to tell you that apart from Jesus Christ, regardless of how good you may feel about yourself and the things you do, or, you know, your religious affiliation, you are alienated from God. And it says you are actually his enemy. You are his enemy. You have rebelled against him. You have done things that defy him. You have broken his laws and are subject to his judgment. But now, here's the good news. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. You see, it is through Christ's physical body. We all know that Jesus went to the cross. He suffered on the cross. He bled profusely from the cross. They insulted him at the cross. He was put to death like a criminal at the cross. And the Bible says of Christians that we are crucified with Christ, so that means that he died our death. He died your death. He took the punishment you deserve. And there's only two people in the whole universe that can pay for your sins. You or Jesus. And in a matter of speaking, there's two judgment days. It's either at the cross. Your sins get judged at the cross. Or your sins get judged as you stand before God and he sentences you to an eternity of hellfire. Eternal loss. But praise be to God, it's through Jesus' physical body, through his suffering, through his pain, through his death, he absorbed it all for you, that we can be reconciled, that that relationship, and as Brother Ish mentioned during the worship time, we think God is so far, but it's not a distance problem, it's a relation problem. We created the distance. We, we went away from God and did our own thing. We said, God, I'm going to do me. We took the life that God gave us, the talents, the opportunities, the resources, the mind that he gave us and said, God, I'm going to do me. Ran off and did our thing and did evil in the process and became his enemy. But reconciliation is here. I want to tell you what it means to be a Christian. Jesus said that eternal life is to know God. I'm going to say that again. Eternal life is to know God. And to know Jesus Christ whom he sent. Today you can have eternal life. And what does it look like? You enter into a relationship with God. The estranged relationship by your sin and evil and rebellion is mended when you repent and put trust in Jesus. It's mended when the death of Jesus is applied to your sins. Amen. And you enter a love relationship with your heavenly father once again. And what happens? You become holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. You come before God with your head up because Jesus has made you holy and pure. May we stand. We're going to have a couple of prayer workers here. We're going to have uh, Rudy and Pastor Griselda.
If you want to apply Jesus' death to your sins, and if you want reconciliation with God, if you want to be in a relationship with God and you know you're not, they're going to walk you through that process, and they're going to teach you what it means to be Jesus' disciple. They're going to teach you what it means to be a child of God. But let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that's hearing this today, and they are separated from you. You're not far from them, but they're far from you. I pray that they will take to heart the words of this preacher, that they will take to heart the words of Scripture that I presented, and that they will trust in Jesus, that they will not settle on being estranged from God wherever they're at now. I pray that they will not want to settle on that, that they will see that this is the most important thing in their life is to be right with God. Have mercy on every last person in this room. Be patient with them and give them a soft heart to repent and believe today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. We want to say quickly our confession of faith. This is what we believe as a church. This is historic Christianity. Everybody with me on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Amen. We're going to fellowship for a moment, and you have an opportunity. They'll, they'll help you out. Greet someone you don't know. As distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is unrelenting Your love goes on Your love goes on When the world keeps waiting Carry us, carry us With your
Amen. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Make some noise. Woo! Look to your neighbor. Say, I'm so glad you came. Look to your other neighbor. Say, I want to see you next week. Praise the Lord. Welcome, everybody, to Metro Praise International. On behalf of the leaders, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us this morning. And for all of our first-time visitors, again, please feel free to make this church a part of your family. We open up our arms to you, and we are so thankful that you joined us to worship the Lord here this morning. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then Elevate every Fridays at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're rocking it out for Jesus. We have some announcements for you guys. Our summer retreat is around the corner. Still plenty of time to make plans for it. It's going to be in Baraboo, Wisconsin, Devil's Lake. Don't let us scare you like I always say. Please mark these dates in your calendars. It's going to be Friday, July 31st through August 1st. We're going to stay overnight. We're going to enjoy the outdoors. So many fun activities to do. Get away from the city for a little bit. Spend the night in the hotel. So you can sign up in the back with Pastor Griseldo or myself if you're ready to register and pay. So mark in the calendars. We hope to see everybody there. If you've never been there, you have got to come with us. It is going to be so much fun. It's 75 per person and then 175 for a whole family to have their own room. Then we got the Boricua Fest. Come on! Our Puerto Rican Festival Outreach. We have done this annually since Joe and I started the church. Since before it was even really a real, like, established church. Joe and I went there, like, the day, two days before our wedding. So this is an annual thing. Chicago has our heart, and we're going to go preach the gospel in Humble Park and just share Jesus with everybody out there. So we want you to block this date in your calendar. Give it to the Lord. Believe for favor with your employers that when you put God's kingdom first, he is going to bless you. So this is going to be Saturday, June 20th. It's the day before Father's Day. We're going to meet here at 9 a.m. We're going to have a time of worship and training and just pouring into you guys. And then we're going to go hit the streets and pour it out and leave it there. And we're going to see God do awesome and amazing things. Amen. Our vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. It's the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. And then we want to disciple you. We want to mentor you. We have three steps to our discipleship strategy. It's connect, mentor, and send. Can you say that with me? Connect, mentor, send. So the first thing we want to do is connect you to the church, connect you to Jesus. In the back of your handouts, we have our schedule of, of life groups. That's how we connect you. So pick a place that's going to meet your family's needs. We have life groups for all different types of needs, ages, whether you're married, single, single mom, young adult, even for the children. So we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. There's always something fun and exciting that you can do. This Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group, infant to 11 years old. They meet every single week. Drop them off at 630, then pick them up. Have a free night to go out, do some laundry, or have a date night with your spouse. It's just a great time for them to come and learn about Jesus. And then Friday, we have two adult Bible studies that meet every single week. One at the Govea's house and the other one at the Walker's house. 18 years and up, meet at 7 p.m. Child care is included. And just get hungry for the Word of God and to build real lasting relationships with people in the church. And Saturday, we have our worship team meeting, 201 and up. Uh, 12 p.m. They're meeting here at the church and then Saturday again evangelism every week all ages are welcome Meeting here at the church at 5 p.m. And hit in the streets to share your faith of Jesus to everybody out there So we're just 
believing that God is going to use us to reach our world for him. And then we want to mentor you. So we have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life, to teach you how to live for God. And when you graduate the 101, we put you in the 201 class, and it's disciples that make disciples. This is our, this is our leadership training class where we teach you how to defend the faith, live holy, having a, a blessed family. And then we want to send you out to keep sharing Jesus, keep sharing your faith. And our goal at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. And if you believe we can do that by God's grace and power, say amen. We are all a part of that number. And God has given us the gracious opportunity, the blessing to be co-laborers with him so we could bring in this end time harvest. Who's excited to learn about offerings this morning? We've been going through the Disciples Giving book. You guys have been awesome, very generous. We thank you so much for partnering with us to see what God is going to do in this city and across the nations. We are on section two of the book, lesson seven. You can look up on the screen, and you can turn with me in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians 9.11. That is the verse that I will be reading, 2 Corinthians 9.11, that will also be up on the screen. Lesson seven is offerings result in thanksgiving. How many thankful people do I have in this place this morning? Our lives are to be a thanksgiving unto the Lord. The offering is a gift to God after our tithes. That's the focus of this section. Let's read in 2 Corinthians 9:11. You will be enriched in every way. Somebody say, in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's read the two main points of how that will be. Number one, thanksgiving. People give thanks to God when they benefit from offerings given to God. For example, the Christians who receive the missions offering in the form of Bibles, books, and supplies Give thanks to God because other disciples help them. So people in other countries are rejoicing when people in churches all across the nations are helping them. For example, we had a missions fund last year. We raised $20,000 specifically for the Philippines. That money is being dispersed even as we speak. The trip is being planned. People, the church in the Philippines are thankful to God. They're giving thanksgiving to God because of your generosity. Let that continue to flow. The church in Pakistan, we're able to continue to send out Bibles and the discipleship material. They're thanking God for our generosity because we're able to give to them. Number two, the golden rule. How thankful would you be if someone gave offerings to help your family in the time of need? Imagine if your home was destroyed in a hurricane or an earthquake and people came from around the country with offerings from their church to help rebuild your home. How thankful would you be? Therefore, make happen for others what you would want to happen for you. Let's summarize this. Whenever we give offerings to the work of God, whether it's to missions, charity, the church, etc., it will always result in thanksgiving to God. Let's apply this to our life. Number one, be a faithful tither. Number two, prayerfully ask God to lead you in giving generous offerings to the work of God. That is above your tithe. Number three, always be thankful that you get to help others. We are an extension. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, and that is such a blessing. Let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. 
Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. If your treasure is in heaven this morning, please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give our best to God. Again, MPI believes that a, that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and we designate our offerings to missions and to building. And we are able to give towards missions uh, projects throughout the year. And currently we are in a building fund raising monies for the 15-passenger van. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are so close. We are believing that this month we will be able to cap that 8000 that we are needing to buy that van to continue bringing people to church, doing outreaches, taking missions trips, all because we were able to partner together. So, amen, we thank you so much for your generosity. We also have two options to make it convenient for you to give online or in the back. You could see Pastor Griselda or myself if you have any questions with that. Let's recite this Bible verse together. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your generosity. You showed us by example what it is to be generous. And God, we open up our hands. We extend our material possessions. And we say, God, we're going to be faithful to partner with you so that we can see your kingdom come to this earth. Bless the gift and the giver this morning. We pray for the nations, oh God, that the nations be blessed, the salvation come to the nations. And I pray, oh God, that you use us to reach Chicago and the world for you. Bless this time. In your name we pray. Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning and thank you so much for your generosity. Come on, how many are glad it's Sunday? Make some noise. Amen. So glad that you're here this morning. I am your friendly neighborhood pastor coming to hang out with you, loving God, loving people. How many know what tomorrow is? What is tomorrow? 
Memorial Day. It's not just about barbecues. It's not just about hanging out with our friends and family. It's about remembering those who have given their lives in the service of this country and those who have given their service and have passed away. So we remember people like my grandpas. Both of my grandpas uh, came here from, uh, their parents came from other countries. My uh, Polish grandpa came from, where did his family come from? Poland. My Italian grandpa, where did his family come from? Italy. You guys are up this morning. And they both fought in World War II. And when they had passed away because of natural causes, the military came out and did the, I think it's the seven-gun salute, honored him and gave the flag to our family. And so that's part of Memorial Day. Also, my nephew gave his life for our country in battle in Afghanistan while serving in the Army. And so many of us here can relate to that. This is, for our generation, the war that has touched our lives. Uh, for a previous generation, it was Pearl Harbor. For us, it is 9-11, and we understand that. And this church has people who serve in the military currently, and we would just like to ask them to stand up. I see one special. Would you stand up, Reuben, from the Marines right now? Reuben, give it up for him. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for your service. Anyone else here today, we don't want to forget about you. I know that David, one of our elders, is a master sergeant in the Army, and he's in Georgia right now working with disabled veterans, and so we need to remember to keep him in our prayers. But I thought it would be special to have one of our manly men come up, a union plumber for the city, Andrew Sienski. Give it up for him. He is going to read a poem as a manly man. See, manly men read poems, okay? But he's going to read a poem about war and fighting for our country. So, Andrew, maybe share a couple words of what it means for you to have your freedoms and then read that poem. Oh, yeah. I'd just like to say I'm grateful for everyone who's served and given us the opportunity to have peace at home here on our land, uh, for me to be in my backyard with my family, peaceful grilling, and for us to come here and assemble, not fearing what people may think or do to us. Uh, so here, I'll go ahead and read the poem and honor our veterans. Uh, we salute every soldier who served this great nation and offer a heart of thanks and appreciation. We salute each member of our armed forces and are thankful for their efforts and resources. We salute the many who protect our borders too. We'd be in trouble if not for people like you. We salute every son and daughter lost in war. You are what serving this country is meant for. We salute the officers who've guided our women and men. Our prayers are with you and our love from within. We salute our veterans, wherever they may be, those who served on land, air, and sea. Offering prayer to the Lord is our belief that he will guide our commander-in-chief. As we observe Memorial Day this year, let's offer our soldiers love, hope, and cheer. May God bless them in, they, in all they endeavor, and his peace be with them today and forever. Amen. I'm going to ask, thank you, I'm going to ask that Pastor Berto would come. He's going to pray for our country. Reuben, we thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to have a moment of silence as we think, for, uh, think about those who have given their lives for our country, and then we'll have uh, Pastor Berto pray. Let's take this moment of silence. Lord God, uh, we pray for every family member out there that uh, has uh, 
had a relative or a loved one serve your country, have died. I pray that you comfort them, you bring peace upon them, Lord Jesus, and um, you will use um, the body of Christ to go out and reach out to them and strengthen them, Lord. I pray even ourselves here, Lord God, we will take time to reach out to those that we know that are are um, uh, are remembering their loved ones that have passed. And I pray, Lord, for our entire nation, Lord God. I thank you for every soldier. We're thankful, God, for how you have structured our country. And, God, I, I, I know that there are some things that are off in our country at times. But, Lord, we ask for your mercy and your grace. And, Lord God, that every single one of us, Lord, would always look to you, Jesus, that sometimes we might look to um, what's going on in government, Lord. I pray that we as individuals here at MPI will make the difference, will make, make that change, Lord God, so this country can be a better country. And uh, bless our nation today and tomorrow, Lord God, as all the families gather up, Lord, I pray that your presence, your joy, and your peace be upon every single one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody say, God bless America. Amen. Don't we love this country? This is our favorite country. Amen. And what a great way to celebrate our country, but to have an Australian guest speaker here today. <laughs> we love you guys, too. We're much stronger and better than you, but we still love you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Half kid. But uh, and before he comes, I just want to tell you that Pastor Jim McMillan is a wonderful man of God. He has been serving the Lord for many years in Australia and all over the world. He was brought to us by way of divine intervention. He was supposed to be somewhere in Washington, D.C. this weekend, raising awareness for the persecuted church and the Christians who suffer around the world. He'll tell you more about that. But because that church could not host him, we have a friendship. He came to be with us, and I am so honored that he is here. Would you please stand to your feet and give a big God bless you welcome and a hand clap to Jim McMillan from Australia, mate. Praise God. I would have normally have my little iPad, but I left it on a plane. So I'm now, you have to put up with my computer being here, but it's not too bad, I suppose. But I'm from Australia, and uh, yes, tomorrow is Memorial Day for you, and uh, we actually have our event in April. April 25th um, is when our nation stops to remember all of the people who died for our country. And just on that, we are one of the countries, there's probably a few, but we are one of the countries that has stood shoulder to shoulder with the United States with every conflict that you've ever wanted to get yourselves involved in. <laughs> We've been there in some capacity and uh, that's good. I don't know we're, we're, whether or not we're the obedient little brother, but we're there, and uh, that's good. But uh, praise the Lord, it's great to be with you, and I'm really, look, I apologize up front for my accent. Okay, I apologize up front, and if there is at any time you do not know what I'm saying because I just go, blah, 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 you've got to go, hey, whoa. Whoa, 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 rewind, say that again in a way we can understand. And I will oblige if I can, okay? If it's at all possible, I will do that for you. I want to honour Pastor Joe, thank you, and, and Nancy, they've been a great host. And uh, 
They're awesome people, and it's Nancy's birthday today. So happy birthday, Nancy. Thank you for putting up with me and making a mess in your kitchen and uh, all that sort of thing. I had a great privilege yesterday. I cooked for some of your leaders and, and stuff. I cooked. I think, look, that's pretty special. You've you got to get a bit, I need a bit more encouragement than that. I, I cooked. I'm in. It's good. Well, Pastor Joe's been telling me, oh, I do have a family. I better just point that out. I do have a family. I do travel a lot. Um, I have, uh, I'm still married to my first wife and uh, been married 31 years. I have a son. Uh, I have two sons and a daughter. My oldest son is 26. My middle son, uh, his name's Ryan. My middle son is 25 and uh, or 26 uh, 24 sorry and my youngest daughter is 19 going on 32 and uh and she's out there she's crazy and she's got a missions thing on her life uh she's a really determined sort of individual her, she's in her second year of a nursing degree at college and she wants to get qualified get a bit of experience and go save uh, or go work in africa and war-torn countries and uh, go, she wants to actually go in harm's way, which is, is she says, that's where, that's where we're needed, Dad. That's where people need to know Jesus. And I said, okay, that's fine. And now, that leads me in. I said that for a reason, because that leads me into what, you're stu- what you've been looking at over the past few weeks. You know, you've been looking at fear and uh, addressing fear in your life. And the, the, fa- the fact is, that when Jesus comes into our lives... You know, perfect love casts out all fear. And so I've, I get asked repeatedly as a father, how on earth could you want your daughter to go in harm's way? And I'm saying, because I know Jesus. She knows Jesus, and that's cool. There it is right there. That's the end of the story. Because I actually believe, you know, people ask me the same things because I get to go to from very crazy places. And uh, I meet some very interesting people that pay a huge price for their faith. And I'm going to share a little bit about that today. But the realities of life are, and it's pretty simple, that you know what? My life is in Jesus' hands. And when it's my time, it's my time. And he's in control of that, not me. So at the end of the day, I just leave it all up to him. And as he's directing the shots, I'm happy just to be obedient at this stage in life. My ministry, um, I've been working, serving the persecuted church for four and a half years. I've been working for a major organization that works in that area. But uh, in recent times, at the start of this year actually, I launched a, a brand new ministry called Stand With Them. It's our goal to connect people in the persecuted world uh, to people in the free world. That's you guys. Um, I actually believe that we have the technology, we have the capacity to connect people so that they can actually interact and pray and get messages one to another. And I think we can do that safely. The big issue is, can we do it safely? And we think we can. So I'm going to just show you a quick little video. It goes for one minute about what, uh, what we're about at Stand With Them. Persecution is a story as old and wide as the church and is occurring in around 60 different countries. 
When members of the Free Church meet Christians living in persecution, the first thing they are asked is, are your churches aware of our situation and are you praying for us? The sad reality is, the common response from the Free Church is, I had no idea. So how can the Free Church be linked to the persecuted church? How can we stand with them? Prayer and relationships are central to what we do. We seek to achieve this by utilizing current technologies to develop an online service where those facing any form of persecution can log their prayer requests online. Then Christians living in the free church will receive a notification in real time through an app. This provides an incredible opportunity for individuals in the free church to pray for the requests and send back encouraging messages that produce faith, encouragement, and support to those living where faith costs the most. Want to know more? Visit the Stand With Them website for more information and find out how you can be a part of this significant ministry. Stand with them. So that's what we've, my wife and I stepped out in faith and that's what we've established. But I'm going to share with you today, I'm going to preach to you and just share and preach and just it's a little bit of a devotional how's that I wouldn't classify it as I'm going to open up the word and we're going to exegete I'm not going to do that today but I am actually going to share with you stories and lessons that I've learned of how people that live in persecution um, conquer their fears I want you I want you to, these people I actually shared with the leaders this morning I call them the real deal and as I share some of their stories you'll understand why I call them the real deal not that we're not the real deal, but they are living where faith costs the most. They f- share our, f- uh, f- our faith, but they don't share our freedom. And uh, yet they are still doing an incredible job and the church is growing and God is moving. Even in the midst of most difficult circumstances, God is still at work. But I'd like to read this passage of scripture from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, Jesus is saying here, fear not. You can only be killed. (laughs) Fear not. You can only die. Now, to us, some of us think that's a full-on thing. But if you really get a revelation of who Jesus is in your life, if that's all they can do to you, Well, that's okay. Jesus' word to you this morning is fear not. Fear not. And do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. That's what he's saying to you. They can't kill the soul. In other words, the worst thing your opponents can do to you when you speak the truth is to kill your body. And that leaves the soul untouched and happy in God's presence forever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. See, the fact is, friend, if your body dies, well, okay. We'll all have a, you know, we'll all gather together and we'll say nice things about you and, and, it'll, and it'll be great. But you know what? We are inside celebrating because the Bible says, blessed are they who die in the Lord. They're not sad. Blessed are they. Who die in the Lord. But if you keep silent, 
See, if we forsake the path of truth and fall in love with the praise of men, we could actually lose our soul. We could actually lose our soul. And that is what Jesus says here that we ought to fear. That's what we should ought to fear. But don't fear with with what man can do with you. All he can do is dispatch your soul to paradise. That's all he can do. Fear not. Jesus had love enough to suffer for me that I might have faith to suffer for him. Jesus had love enough to suffer for me so that I might have the faith to suffer with him. There's a a missionary... this guy's story just continually amazes me. And it was interesting that Pastor Joe shared last night with the students. And he used this very story. I had it written out. I said to Nancy, Nancy, I had it in my notes first. <laughs> but, but Pastor Joe said, share it with the church, man. Go for it. But this the missionary, his name's Jim Elliott. And he said this. He said, he is no fool. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And that links into the passage we just said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Jim Elliott, along with a a group of young missionary men, they lost their life while trying to evangelize a tribe of Indians in Ecuador. They they, They were killed on their first contact. You might say, well, gee, that's a big price. They didn't actually achieve very much. Uh-uh, uh-uh. All their wives came and finished the job. You see, God is at work. Even in the midst of hardship, in the midst of suffering, God is still at work. I want to talk to you. And up front, I'm, I know that in this church, I'm singing to the choir. I'm preaching to a church. I'm sharing with a church that understands what persecution is You understand that Christians are persecuted for their faith. You hear about it. You pray for them. And I am going to try to support what you are already doing with some information and some news and some stories that you might be able to use to further impact your world for the persecuted brother and sister. So I know that. But I want to talk about the reality of persecution. I want to tell you that there are 100 million Christians persecuted annually just for nothing else but loving Jesus. It is something that is better documented today than it has ever been in the history of the church. So we know it's real. 2,000 years ago, as I said earlier this morning to the leaders, Jesus actually prophesied that, if those, if, that his followers would be persecuted if they follow him. And at the start of the 21st century, we continue to see his words being fulfilled in many countries today. The accuracy of Jesus' prophetic words are uncanny. We can see it clearly in a variety of international reports showing that Christians to be the most persecuted faith, the most persecuted faith group in the world. Number one, by far. 
No other religion has, gets their people persecuted as much as our brothers and sisters do. Beheadings, torture, rape, kidnappings, mass killings, forced starvation, imprisonment, and even crucifixions. I showed some of the leaders yesterday just some pictures and there was a season in Boko Haram that's uh, a group that works out of northern Africa in Somalia and Nigeria and even now into Kenya. They went through a period of time where they thought it was really cool to crucify Christians. I've got pictures I could show you but they're just too gruesome. Crucify Christians. Yeah, it's 2015. And we're crucifying Christians. See, the crucifixion of Christians didn't end at the foot of the cross or cl at the closed gates of the Roman Colosseum. It's happening even today. You see, in a presentation on the persecuted church, one could certainly talk about the 100 million Christians that are persecuted annually. The fact that it happens in over 60 different nations, that's another fact that a lot of Christians don't know. You see, we're basic human rights and experience varying levels of persecution and various factors of persecution like you know not everywhere is it political and not everywhere is it religious i mean many of you can identify the fact that in south america today the number one form of persecution is organized crime just in colombia two years ago two years ago Missionaries went into a village, evangelized the village, the whole village got saved and they no, want, they no longer wanted to go work in the fields. Now that upset a few people. So six armed gunmen entered the church one Sunday morning in a congregation of about 150, came right up to the pastor and said, where are all you young people? They said, we don't have any. <laughs> They said, where are young people? We want them to come work for us. He said, we really don't have any. And he says, I'll count to three. Tell us where your young people are. He says, one, two, three. And he shot him in front of the congregation. Then he said, who's next in charge? And the next guy stood up. And he says, tell your people to go back to work. He said, we can't do that. And shot him in front of the congregation. Then they said, who's next in charge? Another person stood up. And they shot him. Four people before they left. Lost their life that morning. How, can we, how, do, we, how do we respond to that? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how. See, faith-based persecution is a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem and it needs to be dealt with spiritually. We need to pray. We need to stand with our brothers and sisters. We need to say that we are with you. We are standing with you. We are one with you. We are with you in this struggle. We are with you in this fight. Fight the good fight of faith and we are with you. We are with you, you see. You know, one can even talk about the, the 145,000 Christians that are martyred every year just for nothing else but loving Jesus. But it's important that we recognize 
that the persecution of Christians is now the largest human rights violation in the world today, by far. You know, we can talk about baby seals, we can talk about, you know, we can talk about, you know, AIDS, we can talk about water, we can talk about all these other justice issues, but by far, the number one human rights abuse is the persecution of Christians. Many people don't even know that. You see, in the Australian newspaper a couple of years ago, it was on Christmas Day, a secular writer, a secular writer wrote this, a grim look for Christianity. He was just an editor. It wasn't a spiritual column. It wasn't anything. It was just an editorial. And the heading was a grim look for Christianity. Christianity is now the most widely persecuted religious group in the world. Christianity could, after 2,000 years, be facing the extinct, the threat of extinction in its birthplace, the Middle East. If the trend continues, they're actually suggesting that there will be no church left in the Middle East come the middle of this century. You see, today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. And if you read in Acts chapter 2, you'll find it says, Now there there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and were bewildered because each one was heard, heard speaking in their own language. Aren't they utterly amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each, one, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Malanites, residents of Mesopotamia, that's Persia. Right there. That's Iraq. That's Iran. That's um, parts of Turkey. Right there. Right there. And then it goes on to say Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Ferga, Pamphylia, Egypt, even parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. See, in all of these lands that we look at and think they're Islamic, let me tell you, they were Christian before they were Islamic. Christians were first called Christians at Antioch, which was in Syria, which is being ripped apart right now. See, understand, even at the birth of the church, the birth of the church... We're talking Christianity's spread was huge at the birth of the church. But there's a few lessons I've learned from the persecuted church. The first thing I want to talk, I want to talk about fearless faith. Their faith is fearless in the, in the, in the midst of incredible suffering, incredible odds. Their faith is just fearless. I'm going to show you these people. You know these girls. You've watched a video. This is Miriam and Marzay. They're from Iran. They found the Lord. They went, left Iran to be trained in Turkey. They actually met in Bible college. They're Muslim background believers. While they were in Bible college, they both basically came up with a vision to cover Tehran with the gospel. Cover Tehran with Bibles. 
and they set out to do it. They wrote a book called Captive in Iran, which actually tells the documented story of how they went out every night with, a back, with two backpacks and delivered Bibles into people's letterboxes. Along with that, they did a whole bunch of other stuff. They, they, they worked out methods of witnessing to people and doing it in a relatively safe way. And they did it for two and a half years. The interesting thing about this in, in their story, and I've interviewed them five times, they actually, tell, they actually say in their interview that the, the Iranian authorities at the time thought that there was this group of Christians in Tehran delivering Bibles. They thought there was this massive big team of evangelical Christians, you know, in there sneaking around, doing this under the cloak of darkness. Little did they know, they said, it was just two girls with two backpacks. They were caught, they were arrested, they spent nine and a half months in Evan prison under the threat of death and violence all the time. They were interrogated constantly. Yet God moved miraculously and they got out. They got out. They got out. I want to talk to you about, a. I think it's the next one. Is the next one a video? It is? I, thanks, Andy. I think um, there was a, there's a Syrian youth pastor, and you're going to hear him. You need to have a lot of volume on this from the start, if that's good. And uh, I used this, this particular sketch to tell you, and he's right at the front, and he says something really interesting. He says, if the church in the West just keeps thinking about our safety, they're not going to help us. And then he says something that's just utterly amazing. Watch this. Oh, no, they're not next. This is an Indian couple that's moved to India. The Indian couple here is a pastor and his wife. They've had their church burnt down twice, and they've now had their house burnt down. And you know what? They're still there. They're still there. They're still there. Fearless, fearless, fearless faith. It's time that we understand fearless faith. These people stand in the midst of incredible suffering, incredible pain. Let's look at this video. I think it's next. I think it's next. Is it a black screen? Yeah, okay, we're up next. This is a Syrian youth pastor. Listen to what he says. If, if the, the people in the, in the West think about our safety, I think they will not help us. Just think about... The church in our country will grow up. I will pay the price. I will pay the price. To just to, for eternal uh, purpose, not for the political purpose. I'll pay the price. Now, the next, next guy you're going to hear is Pastor Edward. This guy's a legend. 24 hours, day and night. You hear shooting and bombing. You hear sounds 24 hours a day. Uh, so they are, of course, afraid on their lives, and especially people with little children. Each time they hear a bomb or something, they are, you know, terrified. So this is really leaving a very disastrous effect and impact on, on a whole generation. That's all what we need now. 
praying and nothing more. I would like uh, you to pray uh, for uh, to have the peace again in Syria. The most important is uh, is the peace. For for the peace is come, everything will will come behind him. Yeah. It's our time now to really uh, do the work of the church. Who else can give uh, hope and uh, really spread peace at this time in the hearts of people other than uh, our Lord? So we feel this is the time for the church and nobody else can do it. It is our time to help people really uh, come to the Lord and find uh, peace and refuge in Him. You really need to understand that that's the attitude of persecuted Christians. That's the attitude of persecuted Christians. This is our time. This is the time for Jesus to rise. This is the time for the church to become what the church needs to be. This is the time not to run away. You see, what we really need to understand here is that we really need to understand that God is at work. God is doing an incredible, credible work. Can we go back to the picture of the mosque? Just a picture of the mosque first. I'll show you this. Picture of the mosque is coming now. I took that picture, that's in Egypt, and, uh, you know, but this is the time. The, see, persecuted Christians understand something. They understand that they must have fearless faith. They understand who they are in Jesus. They understand who they are in God. They understand their position on the planet, and they're not asking to be rescued. They're asking you to stand with them. They're asking you, will you be one with me? Do you know about us? Do you know about our situation? Will you pray for us? Because right now it's our time to stand. It's our time to be Jesus to our communities. In this time of strife, in this time of that, because they get it. You see, they get it that this gospel must be preached. Then the end will come. They get that. These are the lessons. Their faith taught me such a lesson. I thought that I had great faith. I thought I was a faith man. I thought that I was, you know, I'm, I'm a fairly significant person in Jesus. Until I met these guys, and that's why I call them the real deal. Because I realized just how much more I need to grow. And how much more I need to lay down all my petty excuses. They almost shamed me in that sense. That, oh, man, I love Jesus. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm doing all of that. But these people showed me just how petty I really am at times. That if I don't get the right seat in a plane, I get upset. If I have to wait too long in a line for my burger... I come to church. You mean to say I can't park within, you know, 20 feet of the door? Man, these guys could get on a bus and the bus could blow up just to get to church. I met young, one young family in Egypt again. That's where this picture was taken. And, mate, they travel an hour and a half just to get to church. An hour and a half just to get to church. And churches are packed. They're packed. Packed to the max. The other thing that... that so the first lesson is fearless faith. They teach, me, they teach me fearless faith. 
Fear not. They teach me how to be strong in fearless faith. The second thing they teach me is about unity. About unity. I'm going to show you a video. You can get that ready now. I'm going to show you a YouTube clip, which is unbelievable. Um, about four years ago, something happened in Egypt. They called it the Arab Spring. Now, it was interesting what that was, was, a, was just a rising up of the population against the tyranny of the people that were leading them, the, the dictators. And uh, it happened, you know, first in Tunisia, second in Egypt, and it, then it spilled over to other Arab countries around the Middle East. And what happened in Egypt was just unbelievable because leading up to this before, the weeks leading up to what we now know as the Arab Spring, God started softening the hearts of leaders. Because in the persecuted church, there is no Baptist, Catholic, Protestant, this, Califumpian, Pentecostal, whatever. There is just Christian. Because they can't afford to be fighting each other. They cannot afford, the they don't have the luxury of having those sort of distinctions in denominational lines. They're just the body of Jesus. And so what happened in Egypt was just a miracle. Because for the first time, they called the country to prayer. And for the first time, you're going to see it. I'm going to show you. The first time, November 11, 2011, a night of prayer for Egypt in the cave church. I've seen this church. It seats 30-odd thousand people. And you're going to see, for the first time, Orthodox Christians, Catholics, Protestants, and all the mainline evangelical churches all on the stage together, worshipping Jesus. Watch this. Thanks. Make sure it's got some volume. Keep going. They chanted Jesus for 36 minutes. They just chanted the name of Jesus for 36 minutes. They just, they were just chanting. It was an all night prayer meeting. It ran every night for a week, and they had over 30,000 there every night. All night. Imagine a prayer meeting with 30,000 people. Man, 
God does something special when brethren dwell together in unity. Because the scripture says God commands the blessing. It te- they teach, what they teach me about unity is insane. What they teach me about forgiveness is equally powerful. Sometimes we find it so difficult to forgive. Someone offends us. We are so easily offended. Someone doesn't say hi to us. If does, <laughs> we get offended. If you think about it, we get offended at some of the most petty things. This guy here, he's in um, a church called St. George's in Baghdad. It's pastored by Andrew White, who is called the Vicar of Baghdad. Now, this particular guy, as you can see, he's on a crutch. He was wounded because he was shot in the leg. But um, this particular guy was interpreting for some colleagues of mine that were staying in the compound in Baghdad. This, was a, this shot was taken two and a half years ago. And he, you know, they were interpreting for him and they were, you know, going around with him. And then he was asked the question. He was asked a simple question. What's your story? How come you sort of live in the compound and you stay at the church and you, you're just here a whole time? And what's your story? Then he told his story about how when the allies came to look for Saddam Hussein, all the authority, all the, um, all the police force, all of the, the military in Baghdad all went to the front. They were all ordered to the front. So there was very little um, policing going on in Baghdad. So the Islamic fundamentalists at the time thought that was a great opportunity to start killing Christians. So they actually went house to house killing Christians in Christian neighborhoods. Now in the Middle East, a lot of families live in family compounds. So it's not just your family, it's your brother's family, it's your sister's family, it's your parents, it's every they all live together. This guy lived in a compound with his two brothers, uh, a sister and uh, several sets of parents. They were in this compound, all up there was something like 48 people in that compound, living in that compound. He was at work, so was his oldest son and his nephew. They were all out at the time and they were working. They came home to find their entire family had been murdered. The entire family lined up and shot in the head. That took my colleagues back quite a bit. They went, wow. Then he just started, then he went to tell them, but I had pictures of my family. And my colleague thought that they were happy snaps of, you know, them having a picnic or doing something. This is how he remembers. But he's holding a picture in his hand and it's too small and I'm not going to blow it up for you to see because it's just too gruesome. But there is two dead children with half their heads missing. And he carries it around in that little book in his pocket. Pictures of his dead kids. But you know what? That's sad. But what he says next is just unbelievable. He says, I pray every day for my, the, the people that murdered my family. He said, if I met them tomorrow, I would embrace them with a hug. And tell them that Jesus loves them. Because the answer to Iraq is not more guns. The answer to Iraq is Jesus.
this guy didn't have his seat taken in church or have someone not say hello to him. He had his entire family wiped out. And yet, his heart is not full of malice. It's not full of anger. It's full of love and forgiveness for his attackers. His response was just earth-shattering to my colleagues. And they turned around and said, but he says, no, there's, the reality is we need to make a choice to be Jesus and to forgive. What they can teach us about forgiveness is unbelievable. What they can teach us about perseverance is another thing. This is Majaba Hossian, and he and a group of three other Christians in Shiraz. It's a city about 340 kilometers south of Tehran in Iran. They were arrested on February 8, 2012 during a raid by the security forces on their houses. One of the houses that were raided was used as a meeting place for Christian believers. The Revolutionary Court of Shiraz sentenced each of these men to three years and eight months in prisons for attending house churches. Attending house churches, evangelism and contact with foreign Christian ministries. That's, that's people like me. See, the issue is not the issue is not what these guys do. The issue is here. When we go to these places, you, we, we really need to understand what happens to these guys after we leave. What they can teach us about persistence is insane. It's unbelievable. And the final thing as we finish, I'm going to show you another picture. Whoops. This is a picture of the church bus at St. George's Church in Baghdad. This particular bus was doing a Sunday school run. And what this teaches me is they have a revelation that Jesus is with them. They have a revelation of the indwelling reality of Christ in their lives daily. They know completely that Jesus is with them. They don't doubt it. They don't second doubt it. They don't have a, a doubt in their, oh, is Jesus really with me today? Oh, I'm having a bit. They know because they can't actually get through their day without that revelation. They know that Jesus is with them. This particular bus was doing a Sunday school run. Doing a Sunday school run. Had children in it. 33. Islamic fundamentalists seem to think that if they can take out women and children, then they'll destroy the church. So they targeted this church, this church bus full of children. They targeted it. They went past the roadside bomb. They detonated the bomb right at the, 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 the impact zone. And the blast was so, so big that it actually blew out all the windows in the bus. And you can see up here, it pushed in this side 
the blast was so powerful and there's all shrapnel marks up the side of the bus there. When it screeched to a halt, the security and the leaders that were following in, in convoys in front of and behind this van, this, this bus, rushed onto the bus thinking there was going to be a massacre, assuming that there was a massacre. All the children were sitting upright in their chairs. They were covered with glass and they were singing a children's church song. And as they got one of their attention, they said, what, you know, what happened? He said, it's okay, Jesus was on the bus. Now the teacher, the teacher said, the teacher said to them, she said, I understand Jesus is in your heart. And she said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. That's, Jesus was on the bus. He was physically on the bus. And he said to us, if we sing, we'll be safe. Not one of them died. Not one of them was, had serious injuries, few cuts and bruises, but that's it. Because Jesus was on the bus. The indwelling reality of the presence of Jesus. Even children know it. And I've got something here to tell each one of you. Some of you are facing incredible difficulties. Some of you, incredible circumstances. Some of you, incredible situations and pressures and all kinds of things. And I'm here to tell you today, Jesus is on your bus. I'm here to tell you today that rejoice. These people aren't sad and miserable because of what they face. They rejoice. They count it all joy that they can suffer just like their Savior suffered. They count it all joy that God has given them the faith to suffer with Him. They count it all joy for that stuff. They understand fully. They're not asking to be rescued. They're not asking for that. But Jesus is on your bus. Andrew White, the pastor of this church, he said this. He said, if circumstances and situations rob you of everything you have and all you have left is Jesus, it's at that point you understand Jesus is all you need. Jesus is on your bus. The God and creator of the universe is on your bus. God is on your case. He's interested in every part of your life. He loves you with an everlasting love. You can't buy it. You can't steal it. And some here today need to listen to this, you can't even lose it. You can't lose it. God's everlasting love has been given to you by grace, freely given, and we just need to accept it. Did we deserve it? No, we didn't. But that's where grace comes in. Unmerited favour. The unmerited favour of a loving God. The Lord, Jesus Christ, is on your bus. On your bus. Look what the scriptures say. I will bless you. I will not fail you. I will heal you. I will guide you. I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will deliver you. I will satisfy you. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. I will hold your hand. I will not forget you. I will comfort you. I will forgive you. I will restore. I'll be your God. I will put my spirit within you. 
I will save you. I will love him. I will manifest myself. I will come again and I will give you a crown of everlasting life. Jesus is on your bus. He's on your bus, dude. Listen, he's on your bus. The persecuted church is cheering you on saying, hey, listen here, he's on your bus. He's on your bus. He's on your bus. So if you're facing something today, you're facing something today, you're facing issues, whatever they are, circumstance, situation, he's on your bus. 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 If you're facing anything today where you're feeling overwhelmed, just stand to your feet. I don't care if everyone stands. We just, just stand to your feet. We're not going to pull you out of your chair. Nearly everyone stood. Wow. Here's the thing. This is what we're going to do. If you're sitting, I want you to just uh, reach out your hand to the person that's standing next to you. And if you're standing, just stand with the person next to you. Just put your hand on each other's shoulders right now. And we're going to pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today. Now you pray with me and just believe for your, the person on your right and the person on your left. Just believe with me. Father, we stand knowing today that we are facing situations, circumstances and all kinds of things. But Lord, today we glorify you because we know that you are with us. We know that you will never leave us, never forsake us. And so today, God, we pray that you would have your way in our lives. Lord Jesus, come and touch us in a fresh way. Lord, strengthen us from the inside out, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, let us not be overwhelmed. Let us rest in the knowledge that you are with us. Let us rest in the knowledge that you, God, the God of heaven and of earth, is on our bus. So when we doubt and when we fear, we know that your word to us is fear not. Because I am with you, even to the ends of the earth. Oh God, I pray that you would touch all my brothers and sisters now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're a man of God, Jared. You're a man of God. Don't ever doubt it. Don't ever doubt. Don't ever fear. Don't ever think or second guess yourself. You're a man of God. You second guess yourself far too often and you, and you miss out on opportunities when you do that. And God's saying, hey man, I'm, I'm just going to keep doing them to you because I believe in you. He's on your bus, man. He's on your bus. He's on your bus. Jared, rise up. He's on your bus. Woo! You feeling good now? You feeling good about this? This is all right, isn't it? Are you relaxed now? This crazy Australian hasn't damaged anything. Okay, good. Sit down for a second. I want to show you something else. How can you help? 
This is how you can help. This is how you can help us. I have a Facebook page. The website's still being built. Sorry about that. I'm only one person. Okay, so I'm still just getting things together. Man, I'm still raising my own support. So we're getting there. Now, this is the live website. Bring it up just a little bit. Bring it up a bit more. See these little, this little girl? You see her holding her hand up? She's got a little cross tattooed on her hand right there. That's normal in a Coptic environment. Most Middle Eastern Coptics have a little cross. They tattoo it on them as babies. The priest does it. I'm actually really wanting to get it done by a Coptic priest in Egypt. So I'm going to get it done as well because I'm going to stand with them. And, uh, but this is our website. This, um, this is our Facebook page. Now we're up to, we're up to 420 odd likes, I think. We need 76 more likes to get to 500. I want you to help me get to 500 likes on my Facebook page. And just you lot here can do it. And this is how we do it. Just go to the Facebook page, it's Stand With Them Inc. And there's no spaces, it's just Stand With Them Inc. I-N-C, right? So Stand With Them Incorporated, like Stand With Them Inc. Okay, no spaces and it'll come up. So like the page, but that's not where it stops. On your mobile device, this is sometimes hard to do. But the next step, if you do it on your browser, Andrew's going to show us and he's going to do it for us. You hit the little sign-in tab and this will come up. And you fill in. Andrew, do it for me live. And he's going to put in his email address. Look at this. And then he's going to say, he's from where? Where are you from? He's from the Americas, and he's going to subscribe. Now, just click that one shut, and it should come back to the... Yeah, No, no, don't go to the website. Just click it shut, and it'll go back to the Facebook page. Click the whole page shut. There you go. Uh, back to the Facebook page. Now, what happens now is Andrew is going to get an email from MailChimp asking did you subscribe to this list you just need to say yep i subscribe and every week you will get a prayer focus from a country or a circumstance or a situation that people are facing in the persecuted world just one a week until we get our online system up and running which should be by the end of the year but you see oh, my goal is to have 15,000 people receiving our weekly little prayer thing and here's the next thing you can do to help. Sign as many of your friends up to get this as you can. Just go to town, inviting them all. And even people that are lukewarm in their faith, nothing will stir them more when they see the plight of their brothers and sisters. And just as we close today, I've got a little video we're going to show. And I just want us to watch this. It goes for four minutes. And we're just going to pray. I want you to watch and pray and listen to the lyrics. This was written by a guy in Australia specifically for his brothers and sisters who are living where faith costs the most.
Brothers and sisters, one in the Spirit, and He calls everyone to share.
Amen. How many want to stand with them? Amen. Would you stand up and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? I'm just so rocked and moved by today's message. All that he asked us to do was to pray. But I believe we can also give. Would you bring out the offering buckets, uh, ushers? We're going to set them to the side of our prayer workers. If you would like to give to his ministry, the church has already pledged $500. We will make sure that that can be done. So we're going to put the offering buckets on each side. Can we do that quickly? Thank you. So if you want to give, just make out a check to Metro Praise International. It will go through us, then to him, and then whatever you put in here in cash will go directly to him. I want to encourage you to go to that Facebook. Pray with them. Keep supporting through prayer, and let's do something about it. That's what we can do. Amen? And then if you need prayer for anything, if this message touched you and you need someone to stand by your side, somebody to stand with you, let us pray with you today. You may not be in another country being persecuted, but you need prayer. You need support. We want to support you. Amen? So that's what this church is about. And we're not doing it just around the world. We're doing it here. Amen? Let's close out in prayer. Father, I thank you today for this special message. Fearless faith. You have encouraged us to have fearless faith, looking to the example of you and your persecuted church around the world. May we now stand this week for our faith no matter what the cost is. May we share with our coworkers our faith in you. If we hear a dirty joke, may we tell them boldly, that joke was not for me. If we hear things that go on in our world, may we say boldly, I'll pray for you, whether it's a coworker going through a divorce or something in our neighborhood. May we be bold with our faith and live it out in every day life that we have, God. And I thank you today for every precious saint here. Let everyone here enjoy their three-day weekend. Keep us safe. Be with Reuben as he goes back to the Marines because, God, after they don't listen to the gospel, they may have to listen to the sword. And we pray that you'll be with our soldiers who are bringing peace through those means as well. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Slap your neighbor high five and say, stand with them. God bless you. You're dismissed. Hang out for the after party if you want to sing and pray. Otherwise, enjoy the cafe. Have a wonderful weekend. Have a great day. God bless you.